Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 49th edition of our program, which aired during the first weekend of December 2020, we discussed current legal issues tied to the COVID-19 pandemic and how they impact both employers and employees. Bridget Pinnock is an employment attorney with Fredrickson and Byron, PA, based in Des Moines. Obviously, employment law has had to adapt and change, and companies have had to respond to a pandemic the likes of which we haven't seen for a century. What are some of the key things that your clients ask about so that they make sure they are serving their best business interests but also serving the needs of their employees? Thank you, Jeff. As you know, the last several months have been a bit of a whirlwind for employers and employees both, and the questions have remained consistent with a few variations since March, really. And you're right. For the most part, employers are really primarily concerned with keeping their employees safe and keeping them able to work in whatever capacity that may be. And it varies from, you know, industry to industry, the, the most frequent question that we get is obviously dealing with a COVID outbreak or concern at the workplace. My go-to guidance is obviously check with the CDC, check with the Iowa Department of Public Health, but some of it you've just got to use your gut and instinct and investigate on your own. I will tell you, the employers do call and, and they really truly are looking out for employees. Sometimes they're just not a clear or good answer. And so whether it's when to quarantine an employee, that's probably one of the, the first questions I get. How can we accommodate certain requests? I mean, early on, it was fear, right? Nobody really knew what to expect. And so the early on questions were really, how do we ensure employees that we are taking the precautions that we need to take and providing as safe as a, a workplace as possible? Things sort of got better over the summer. And it's resurged. And there's some new guidance, um, even the, the proclamation from the governor last week, encouraging employers again to take another look at remote working. If you haven't had a, a setup yet to work remotely, can you consider it now? And so those are some questions. I did a webinar last week actually on is remote work here to stay? And that's a question we get now is now that we've accommodated remote workforce, how long do we have to let it continue? And especially, too, because, and maybe it was false optimism on many of our parts, but I think back in March and April, very few of us thought we would be dealing with it at this level, to this degree, six, seven, eight, nine months later, and there is no real end in sight. Is there a sense that if a business, and again, I'm speaking very broadly, we're not talking about any legal advice for anyone, certainly, but if a business is acting with the best of intentions, and there's no nefarious purpose, is that going to help them ultimately, if it's in good faith, is that going to serve them well going forward? Absolutely. As uh, you may recall, back in June, the Iowa legislature actually passed a law to protect businesses in that very instance. And there's a safe harbor there that if you comply with the guidance, whether it be Iowa Department of Public Health or CDC or any industry-specific guidance that may be out there, um, there is a safe harbor and protection from liability. Obviously, no business wants to face that, but 
it's a nice safety net there to know that if you're doing the best that you can do under the circumstances, there is some protection um, and limitation of liability. I will also say the answers that I gave in April may be different than what I give now. So I would encourage businesses and employees alike to revisit, revisit the guidance, whoever you reached out to, whether it was your lawyer, whether, whether it was HR, whether it was the government sites, as you said, no one anticipated really we would be where we are now back when this started. And I have had to go back certainly to claims and say, remember what I told you in May? Well, things have shifted a little bit. So don't fall on that pride issue of, oh no, maybe the, the information that I had needs to be updated or refreshed. We are all looking at this constantly through new eyes. And certainly don't just sit back and say, well, my lawyer told me six months ago to do it this way. Much has happened in six months, and we wouldn't hold legal counsel responsible to advice given on a topic a year ago because of all the things that happened. There's a big distinction, obviously, between an employer in, say, a service industry where they're not generally open to the public as opposed to a retail operation. Do we have different standards or different things that those different business owners should be thinking about with regard to liability or just general goodwill? Certainly. I mean, I think I'm an employment lawyer, so the employment aspects are the things that come to mind first and foremost. But anytime you are open to the public, you risk or face the potential for claims from visitors, from suppliers, from service providers. So you have to to look at it from both angles or multiple angles. And yeah, the advice that I might give to my office where very few people show up is very different than I do to my clients who are manufacturing, which is different than my hospital clients or my restaurant clients. So it certainly does vary. And even knowing as a consumer or a customer, when you walk into a business, is it evident that this business that you're you're entering is taking this seriously and trying to keep you safe? I think that's an excellent way to phrase it because, as I think of a retail store, they have a duty of care to those, as we call them, business invitees, the customers who come in. And so if you're a grocery store and you hear that someone has spilled something on aisle eight, it's your responsibility to clean that up as soon as possible because the customer doesn't expect that. And it's the same thing with COVID-19. If a store has put up plexiglass shields at a check stand, if the employees are all wearing masks properly. I suppose that allows the owner to say, we're holding ourselves out as somebody who cares about safety, but it's not 100%, and you still assume some liability as a customer. Exactly. And I think something to keep in mind, and when I give these legal thoughts for consideration, a scholar of the law will know that causation is something that's essential. So, I say, practically speaking, it's going to be very difficult for someone to prove how and when they contracted the virus. The incubation period is so long, you can't tell visibly looking at someone or looking at a surface whether the virus is there. So unless you have one of these, you know, you've seen in the news some of these pretty egregious allegations of certain businesses or work sites, unless you have something that extreme, it's going to be very difficult for an employee of my office to say, for example, that they contracted the virus here versus at the grocery store versus at, you know, in school, wherever they may be. So I think that's one hurdle. I'm not a plaintiff's lawyer, but I think that will be one that they will face bringing claims, you know, is proving where and who was the cause of, of any injury or illness. 
especially when all the leading authorities talk about community spread. Well, if you've got community spread, it has permeated every aspect, and so that causation is, as you say, very difficult, if not impossible, to prove. Let me ask you finally, there's talk of a vaccine, and there are some people who will seek that as soon as possible. There are others who may want to wait to see how it is being tolerated by the public at large. Can an employer require an employee to get a COVID shot, a flu shot for that matter? I assume from a legal standpoint, it's the same. Well, that's a very good intro there. Lawyers like me are looking at this already. The signs and the indications about vaccines are really positive. It's that glimmer of hope that we all have, right? There is EEOC guidance about an influenza vaccine back from 2009. And there, EEOC is really cautious. Any required medical inquiry or exam is going to have to be based on business necessity. Um, And we can go into a whole discussion about how the EEOC's guidance on, say, prior pandemics, swine flu, and influenza is being adjusted fairly frequently by the the government. So I anticipate the EEOC will also update its guidance on the vaccination. So the lawyer answer that I will provide is that, yes, you can require it with some caveats. And, you know, the things that we would normally think about in a medical inquiry like that is, is there a religious objection, a sincerely held religious belief that might override or outweigh the public benefit of the vaccine? Or another disability, you know, maybe someone has a health condition that would make a a vaccine for COVID-19 unadvised by their healthcare provider. So getting those medical excuses, just like you're seeing people right now trying to use that for masks, right? Well, I have asthma, so I can't wear a mask. So I think stay tuned is the answer. I think generally COVID-19 has been declared by the federal government as one of these health conditions that can be a direct threat to oneself or to others. So that heightens the level that gives employers a little bit more clout to say, yeah, we can require whether it's COVID-19 testing before you return to work or, you know, taking that down the road a bit, requiring the vaccination. It can be a default rule, but you have to be prepared for some exceptions. And as you noted, it depends on what the business is. Again, if it is in the hospital industry, the food service industry, one where there's a lot of contact with customers as opposed to a tight-knit smaller workforce, I trust. Certainly. Yeah, I think that that can certainly play a part. And, you know, if you're working remotely now, for example, there can maybe is a requirement to return to the community workplace. This could be considered or imposed. And accessibility and availability, obviously, are going to be determinative. And then certainly the next six months, even 12 months, depending on who you hear from. Those who are frontline workers hopefully will have access to any vaccine before someone like me who you know could work in an isolated office or even at home. Employment attorney Bridget Pennick, a shareholder in the Des Moines office of Fredrickson and Byron, PA. More information can be found at fredlaw.com. We connected via Zoom on November 23rd. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report, radio program, and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and IBR business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.